Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Grief Dialogues Compassion Culture Podcast Series. This is a new podcast series that we are doing uh, with healthcare providers across the country, which is really exciting for me, and I especially am excited to bring on board Nina Wilson, who is a therapist in the Las Vegas area. I worked with Nina before when we did the show, The Great Dialogues, back in September of 2018, which was around the anniversary, as such, of the shooting on the Las Vegas Strip, and Nina and I had a chance to work together and uh, moderating the dialogue after after the performances, and I really enjoyed working so much with you, Nina, that I really wanted to bring you on, on our show. So. I, I understand and I know that you work a lot with teenagers and their parents and with those contemplating suicide. Would you tell us a little bit more about your practice? Of course, and Elizabeth, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this series. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. I am a licensed clinical social worker in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I have a small private practice that I named Honeybee Behavioral Health. And at Honeybee, I get to work with teenagers and their families on um, building skillful, healthy, joyful relationships and helping the teenager with taking self-harm or suicide off the table as an option. What I've found is that, you know, teenage stage of life tends to be a very difficult one. Um, and even more so for the kiddo who has a very sensitive emotion regulation center. So I get to work with them on teaching them strategies to tolerate painful emotions, handle stress skillfully, and have a better, happier relationship with their parent as well as with their friends. Wow, that's very powerful and meaningful work. My goodness, thank you for doing that. Um, in your practice, um, in the Las Vegas area, have you seen changes in your practice over the, say, the last year, uh, let, let's say since pre-COVID? Yeah. So I, I've seen some changes in the sense of more teenagers, at least in my, my world, coming in for therapeutic services, talking about anxiety, talking about depression, talking about peer pressure, and also talking about self-harm or suicidal thoughts especially since COVID-19 has come about, I'm getting more referrals for children who are anxious and in distress about what their health condition may turn out to be, the state of the condition going on in the world, um, and of, of course, within the United States. To add to that, with the recent discovery of the systemic racism that's been happening, um, long prior long before um, recent news broadcasts, the children that I've been working with, seeing some of the very vivid, heartbreaking images, we've been speaking a lot about that. So prior, like about two years ago, was not a lot of conversation about race relations here in the United States. And since most notably the George Floyd video, we're having a lot of conversations about race relations in my office. You said that very uh, diplomatically, I want to add, that the, the sudden <laughs> realization uh, yeah, it does feel like, like white America kind of went, oh my gosh, you mean this is a problem? You know, so, so, in, so to that end, um, has, has the 
uh, race relations, you know, kind of are having riots and protests in Las Vegas? Are some of your your uh, clients reacting some to some real local tension that way as well? That's a great question. So I have some older teenage clients, like 18, 19, who wanted to. There have been protests, more often than not peaceful protests, with a few spots of um, chaos and discord. But for the most part, it's been peaceful protests. And so my 18 and 19 year old clients have really been ambitious about getting out there and protesting against the injustices that have been going on, um, which is lovely to see. In terms of daily interactions, as far as my clients are concerned, they have not in person been experiencing a lot of um, racial tension. More often when we're speaking about race relations and any tension that comes about, the kiddos are noticing that it's happening on social media where there tends to be more supportive um, conversations about the, the need for there to be healing in terms of like the racism piece disappearing. There are some spots of people spouting off race, racist epithets, which we speak about when that type of thing occurs. I can only imagine being a young person right now with um, everything that's going on, COVID, and then dealing with race issues on top of that. Um, do you have many uh, clients who were supposed to grad or did graduate but were unable to have that huge milestone in a young person's life, whether it's graduating high school or graduating uh, college? That's huge, and not to be able to have that. I was wondering what you saw there. Lots of disappointment, but quite a few clients um, have been heartbroken because they couldn't go to prom uh, because of COVID-19 and the stay-at-home order. They could not have a, a proper graduation. Um, although they had a chance to attend virtually, it did not have the same effect. Uh, and in spite of their ability of trying to make like a small gathering to celebrate their accomplishment, it was nowhere near what they had hoped it would be. So that was a, a pretty significant disappointment for them. And what types of things do you uh, suggest that they do to, now, I don't know, you can never overcome that total disappointment, but kind of uh, ease it in some way. So then I get to fall on, to me, it's one of the more challenging DBT skills, it's called radical acceptance. It's not approving of what is going on it's the practice of accepting that that is a reality in the moment so that way there's no suffering that comes about you know or there's reduced suffering and then we start to use our imagination to see what else is available to them like when things begin to quote unquote open up what is a way that you can celebrate this significant milestone although it won't be in the sense of it being like crossing the stage and turning your tassel from one side to the other, how else can you celebrate that you've accomplished something significant in your life? Right, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I grew up in Texas and, and uh, you know, one of the things that I saw recently was just, just think Texas graduates, you don't have to sit in the sun for two hours. Good point. <laughs> That still doesn't quite take away the sting of not having this huge milestone. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, in your practice, do 
you work with a wide variety of races and cultures? Are there differences, similarities? Is it basically the same demographic makeup as the city of Las Vegas? How would you describe your practice? Thank you for asking that question in that way. I would say that my practice, the the typical demographic or cultural, um, typical demographic that I have a chance to work with mirrors Las Vegas, very diverse. So I may have someone who racially identifies as white or black or Latino or Asian, um, Asian um, Pacific Islander, things of that nature or those particular racial backgrounds. I get to work with um, teenagers and their families from all sorts of racial backgrounds. So I'm very fortunate in that way. And I've I was, I'm born and raised here in Las Vegas, and I promise maybe one day I'll move out and branch off. Um, that's something that I appreciate about Las Vegas, Nevada, is the diversity and being able to be around people from different racial backgrounds or different cultures and um, not have, whereas many other parts of America have a stigma about a racial, a race or a cultural difference than my own. That's interesting. I didn't realize how diverse. Very, those of us who do not live in Las Vegas often think of Las Vegas as the Strip. Yes. And I know that uh, recently, when you and I did the book reading of Brief Dialogues in Las Vegas with the, the, the hospice there, um, I had the opportunity to really see Las Vegas without the Strip, and I actually really liked what I saw. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really a great town. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so when working with uh, uh, some of your clients from various races and so forth, have you found any mental health stigmas typically in a certain type of uh, community, whether it be African-American or, or Caucasian or Hispanic? Has one group tend to have more health, mental health stigmas and then how do you overcome those? I can speak very directly to uh, the mental health stigma within the black community. It is getting way better uh, because within the black community, we are speaking about the importance of being willing to receive mental health supports from a a professional. Historically, we have, we, because I'm black, we have relied on one another in terms of having emotional support or psychological support, which is great because it adds a resiliency factor to our healing after we've experienced a trauma or a mental health issue or what have you. And yet, because just like any other person, uh, regardless of race or cultural background, we can experience traumatic occurrences as well. Um, So there is a conversation about reducing that stigma years and years and years ago. And I, there was this um, perception that if you went to a therapist or a psychiatrist, that meant that you were crazy, you're going to get locked up somewhere and be labeled some awful judgment. Um, and that's not the case. So there's a lot of education going on about the importance of having mental health support and how therapy does not make you crazy. Therapy is a wonderful thing. I'm biased. I am a therapist and I have received therapy. So that is a stigma that um, I I know for sure has been happening in the black community. And although it's getting better, we need to continue to have the conversation and get the mental health support that we would benefit from. Okay, good. That's 
and I can imagine why there was the stigma before, um, but could you maybe elaborate on, on what, what built on that stigma and maybe even enlighten us about what maybe was the cause to now see that therapy is not a stigma? Yeah, so when, when there were mental health professionals, let's say 50, 60, 70 years ago, they were predominantly white. And so each culture has their own way of being. Aside from just being human, you're gonna, we're human, we have some commonalities, and then culturally we have some differences. So let's say, for example, we, um, I read this wonderful journal and I, you sent it, the link to me. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. The authors made a very great point about how if a loved one dies, Within the black community, the black culture, we still tend to have a, an emotional connection to that person or, or their spirit. We feel like they're still with us. Um, we may engage in certain spiritual practices to honor that person's memory. So if we're speaking to someone from the white culture who is not aware of that, thank God for research and conversation, 70 years ago, that person, a black person speaking to a white person about their experiences may be labeled as schizophrenic because how could you still feel the presence of a dead person? Um, our, our experience of anxiety or depression could be viewed as like the most severe on the continuum and you have to be locked up because you're reacting in a certain way. And what, you know, at the risk of being wrong, but with, with, amplified anxiety or having gone through tra trauma when it's left unresolved at some point that sort of anxiety and intrusive thoughts related to the trauma can bubble up and cause a big emotional expression so captured at the at a specific point in time and by someone who may not be well educated on different cultural implications the black person could be labeled um, or diagnosed inaccurately. Yes, I can imagine. Um, and uh, I had another question for you that was in my head that's kind of gone out, but uh, um, just give me one second here. I know the uh, one of the things that I know is about the community having an extended family which means there's even more people to mourn for, but there's also more people to surround love and care and so forth. So with the pandemic now and restrictions associated with that, how are people adjusting, and then this is for all your, your clients really, uh, adjusting to the fact that, that uh, there's no longer the hug when the coffin goes in the ground and there's no longer the event afterwards where you can laugh and tell stories and cry and tell stories. So what have you been seeing and how are people dealing with that type of loss? That is a, another great question, Elizabeth. I, I cannot speak to that because I have not had a conversation yet where um, a loved one has passed away and they've been unable to grieve in the way that they would typically be able to grieve. I have heard that um, when there's a funeral now, nowadays, there is not a large congregation of folks. Um, it You have to practice social distancing. So in that moment, I would imagine the, the suffering or the heartache of losing your loved one and not being able to really get 
become get consoled in the way that we would normally console one another would make one feel even more isolated um, and have even more pain. I would imagine, yes. Um, so how would you suggest that we honor our grief? And I don't mean just grief as in the loss of a loved one, but the grief also associated with lost milestones or lost freedom in terms of being able to go to the mall with your girlfriends or and so all these losses how would you honor that grief um if, you know within your own clients and for all of us actually for all of us yeah um so i i'm a big cheerleader for allowing your emotions um when we allow our emotional experience to come up while it is painful or it's upsetting, it facilitates the healing process. And you might have to heal over and over and over and over again because it seems to be loss after loss after loss. But, but in inhibiting your sadness or inhibiting your anxiety or inhibiting any emotion that is coming because of these losses could only cause problems in the future to where any symptoms of sadness or, I'm sorry, depression or anxiety would begin to um, strengthen, for lack of a better word, and then can really get sucked down in, in poor negative mood. Another thing that's helpful, you know, if you have artistic abilities, even though you can't be around a lot of humans, if you are someone who likes to dance or sing or paint, practice doing that. If you like to write, practice doing that. That's a great way to um, escape the the losses that you're experiencing because sometimes escape is a good thing if it's done skillfully um for those of us who like to meditate who like to pray um who like to honor our ancestors continue doing that and even though we can't be in large groups for the small groups that you're able to be in enjoy those moments as well Brilliant, brilliant suggestions i love that chris uh grief dialogues motto is out of grief comes art so that really resonates with me. My, my art is writing, as you know, but uh, there's many people with artistic abilities and, and you know, with visual arts or music or so forth. So I'm really, I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> yes. Um, so do you see this current time as a tipping point for our young people, teens, 20-somethings, good or bad, or both? Hmm. I have a I have an answer. Say more about your question. In what what way? Well, I as you said, you know, you go on social media and you see really wonderful, thoughtful posts by a lot of young people. Uh, and I know my own son, who's twenty five and going to law school, has participated in the protests. Um, by the way, he's going into criminal justice work. Right on. Uh, because his parents told him to. That was. <laughs> something firmly believes in after some college years in Southern California. Awesome. Uh, anyway, he, um, you know, so in some ways I've seen our young people step up to the plate. Like I haven't seen young people step up to the plate since my uh, teen and 20 something years, which was the Vietnam War and civil rights and so forth. And quite frankly, we dropped the ball. We, the baby boomers, dropped the ball. We, we were going to save the world. And then, in my opinion, the 80s came along and we got really high-paying jobs. And we kind of forgot saving the world. 
Whereas in some of these kids now, maybe because the high paying job may or may not be there, I don't know. But I'm starting to see, at least amongst some people, um, that it's tipping them the right way. Mm-hmm. Other people who, while, while you know, mentally they're all for the protests, now you know, they've now lost their jobs. They were saving money to buy their very first house. Right. Now that's way out of reach, etc. So it can go the other way. And so that's what I was what are, what are you seeing? What is your opinion? Even a prediction if, if you're willing to go that far. Of course. You know, what's, so, what's really neat out of the awful state of events in terms of, of systemic racism and the, the racial climate right now in America, right? What's really neat is that we are seeing at these protests the all different races banding together to stand up against racism and to really advocate about the importance of black men and women not being murdered, right, by police officers or by racists, right? And I'm not, I just want to be clear, I am not saying that all police officers or law enforcement are racist or bad inherently. Um, what I'm saying is that with with the law enforcement who may have been driven by racial stereotypes um, or being racist themselves has led to quite a bit of black deaths. Okay, so be clear on that. What's neat is we're seeing again, all different races on the same side, advocating against systemic racism and calling for justice for um, Ahmaud Arbery, for George Floyd, for Breonna Taylor, and countless other names that um, I won't mention in this conversation. So I think that's righteous. I think that's great. I love to see it. Whereas probably, you know, years and years ago, there were some different racial backgrounds advocating against racism, but probably not a lot of it. So it's really cool to see this. Um, now the negative, because there's the other side to the coin, is what what will be, and this is probably more related to the COVID piece, what will become of our economy? What will become of our future? What will become of our, our version of stability? And how will we rebound from this? So there, there's something really interesting happening in our world, definitely in our country, of uh, this unpredictable, unpredictable, chaotic time. So my prediction, at the risk of being overly optimistic, when there's like great chaos and disruption, it comes be, becomes like a new life. It becomes new stability. So I look forward to that happening, hopefully sooner than later. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm with you. I'm like with you on that one. I hope so too. It is the chaos. You mentioned the word chaos. And um, uh, that will uh, end with this last question about it does feel, even where I am, and I'm very isolated, I have a chronic illness where I need to stay isolated, but I I can feel the chaos, and yet there's nobody here but my husband and I and the howling monkeys, but I can feel it, and uh, I try not to go on the read news, but, but still. So I can only imagine if you live in the United States right now, that feeling of chaos must be overwhelming, and how has that played out in your practice, and if you have any uh, final words, so to speak, or last words about how we 
we all can maybe deal with some of the chaos right now in a healthy mental way. Yeah. Um, so in my practice, this the things that we spoke about, Elizabeth, tend to be ongoing conversations. Of course, with my clients, we're talking about things that are happening, you know, personally to them. But the the overarching conversation tends to be what's going to happen next. Do you think everything will be okay? I feel very overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. I'm scared. I'm sad. Um, so everything is very amplified right now. I would rely on the suggestion that I made earlier in our chat of, you know, even if even if you don't believe in a higher power, find if you if especially if you believe in a higher power, pray, right? Get centered, meditate, try your best to be balanced, to practice being balanced. If you don't believe in a higher power, you can still meditate. Focus on your breathing. I would, if I were you, I would look up some just different apps on your phone to teach you how to breathe skillfully, just to change the chemistry of your body to make your heart rate slow down, to make your breathing slow down, all of those other lovely relaxing things. Where you can, I know that things are unpleasant right now. Not all parts of life, and it is unpleasant. Um, watch some comedy, laugh. Like, truly, scientists have found that laughter is really healing and can put us in a way better mood than what we're in if we're, if we're not laughing. So do that. Listen to some music that's upbeat. If you need to listen to sad music to let out some of the tears, do that and then listen to something upbeat so you can feel empowered and inspired and all the other joyful emotions that come along with it. Great. Thank you so much for that. Um, perhaps in our next uh, podcast, uh, you can share your playlist with us. Because oh. I bet you got some good music there. <laughs> you are right, ma'am. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for coming on our show today, Vina. I just I loved working with you um, in the last couple of years, and hopefully um, I will be back in Las Vegas again. But if traveling picks up and you ever want to come to Costa Rica, we have a guest room and the whole bit. But I just really want to thank you today. Great information, great insight uh, for us as well, you know, for all us readers or listeners. But also some great takeaways, and I'll um, I'll add these to the to the uh, blog post. And thank you again, and I hope to have you back real soon. Thank I look you. forward to it, Elizabeth, and thank you for all the magnificent work that you're doing, and for continuing to allow me to work with you. I wish you continued success and wonderful health. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you.